Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. John chapter 4, we started a, a talk last week called, What Are You Hungry For? And uh, I'm I just going to kind of come right out with it. Here's really the point of this entire message. We started some last week. But I just really, at the end of the day, I want to be believers that are internally driven with this insatiable hunger to pursue every, sing, every, single, thing, every single thing that God has for us. I want us to have the courage to go after anything he asks us to go after. I want us to have the humility to do things and, and, and even move into positions of influence uh, and lead gracefully. Lord, I want us literally to do every single thing that he has for us, to have a hunger on the inside uh, for the things of God like we learned Jesus did last week. In John chapter 4, this story <clears throat> that we read, we'll read some of it again, but let me preface some of it just for the sake of time. Um, it's the story of the woman in the well, Jesus and the woman at the well. And so Jesus and his disciples are on this long journey. They, they come to this town, and before they going into town, Jesus sends the disciples in, and then he goes on to this well to get a drink of water. And he comes up to this Samaritan woman, and he asks her for a drink. And this dialogue begins of basically, hey, why are you talking to me? I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. We don't have anything to do with each other. Uh, and Jesus starts to talk to her about this water, how if you'd have known who I was, who I was you'd have asked me for water, and I'd have given you a kind of water where you'd never thirst again. And so there's this, 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 this uh, inference about hunger and, desire, hunger and thirst, and you, you start to hear this kind of language. And so they, they start having this conversation, and in this conversation, Jesus begins to minister to this lady. Mind you, Jesus is on this long journey. He sends his disciples in for food. He's ready for water. He's naturally hungry and thirsty. But in the midst of his natural hunger and thirst, instead of being driven by his natural hunger and thirst, he was more driven by this opportunity with this broken woman. And he begins to prophesy over, and he, said, he says something about to go tell your husband, uh, yada, yada, yada. And she says, well, sir, I don't have a husband. And he said, you got that right. You've had five husbands, and the guy you're hooking up with now ain't even your husband. <laughs> just Jesus putting it on front street, just like deal with it. <clears throat> and, of course, she's so smart. She says, I perceive that you're a prophet, <laughs> you know. And remember, the point in this story of Jesus exposing the sin wasn't to bring shame. It's almost as if he was exposing the sin to say, look, even though I know your sin, I still came to you. I still am talking to you. He's making a point here. And even though you may have this issue going on, not only do I come to you even in your sin, I care enough to let to talk to you about your sin, to re relieve you from the pressure of this sin and tell you there's something better than this natural thing that you're using to fill this void on the inside. In other words, you've had this appetite for something on the inside. You're using something that you shouldn't be using to fill this void. I'm here to tell you, I bring something to the table and you'll never have to fill that internal void with something external ever again. Jesus did all this while even he was naturally hungry and thirsty. And so we see this, and then here's where the story picks up. John chapter 4, verse 27 says, Just then the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking to a woman. But no one asked, What do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. 
But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Can some, could someone have brought him food? Verse 34, my food, Jesus says, is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. That's really what our motivation is, is how do we get to the place where we can say there's not, there is not a single natural hunger that has more drive in our life and produces more drive in our life than our hunger to be fully devoted followers of Jesus, advancing the kingdom, fulfilling the will of the Father. You got to ask yourself the question, what are you hungry for? What are you genuinely hungry for? I, I, I didn't say this in the first service, and I wished I would have because it was something I felt like the Lord added to my notes this morning. I just forgot to write it down. But if you have a hard time in the, in the metaphorical sense deciding what it is that you're hungry for, look at your checkbook and look at your calendar. Look at your checkbook and look at your calendar. It will inadvertently tell you the things that you're striving for. It'll show you the things that you're looking for to satisfy a hunger. What are you hungry for? What is your hunger pushing you towards? In other words, is there something, there's this whole, and remember, when we talk about hunger, it's an internal emptiness, and, not, and that's not all a bad thing. Sometimes God asks us to produce intentionally internal emptiness so it draws us towards something better. We'll talk more about that later. But what is your hunger? Whatever that hunger is, what is it driving you towards? What are you craving? What are you going after? And maybe a better question we can ask is, do we have any control whatsoever over this hunger? Is this something God just, when it's time, he puts this hunger on the inside of us, or he'll take away the hunger for this wrong thing, or add the hunger for this good thing? Do we have any say whatsoever in the area of this internal hunger that seems to drive us and push us in whatever direction that, that it was, we're trying to fulfill. I, I want to get a little bit teachy and just kind of go down some points today. Um, the first point I want to make is that you'll never be hungry for something that you've never tasted. You'll never be truly hungry for something that you've never tasted. I, um, <clears throat> when I was a youth pastor, um, this has been probably 10 years ago now, uh, when I was a youth pastor, I felt like the Lord gave me some revelation in the area of teaching teenagers and talking to teenagers, young people, about sex and dating. Because one of the things, even the cultures I came from, I felt like the church has done an injustice uh, to our young people by not being willing to talk about sex around them from the healthy perspective. So since we don't talk about it from the healthy perspective, the only perspective they ever get is the unhealthy perspective. We don't, we don't even have the courage anymore when our young women walk out of the house with less clothes than they should be wearing to say, hey, 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 not today, Jesus. And let me explain why. Let me talk about what you're doing. Let me talk to you about your body. Let me talk to you about the things that you're, first of all, let me talk to you about some void you must be trying to fill. What, what are you doing trying to get attention? How are you, why are you using this to try to get attention? We've lost the courage to talk about their bodies, so they learn about their bodies from a wrecking ball. And so I, it's very, to me, it's very, it was very important at that time. It's like, oh, wait, we got to get okay with talking about sex from a healthy perspective. One, God created it. Two, it's awesome. Three, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And so we've got to let them know, hey, this, this is fantastic. This is amazing. It's, it, it, but I'm just telling you, any, there are some things that are really amazing when they're right where they're supposed to be and completely deadly when they're not. But we at least have to help because what, we can't confuse our kids when they start having that, that desire. And, oh, I think he's cute. I think I have a crush. We can't confuse them by having fear of them doing something they don't need to do, having fear. And our fear projects onto them, and we can't even have a healthy conversation with them. It's got to be, oh, wow, he, he is cute. Got big ears, but I guess he's cute. You know, <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I may have said that once or twice. So, so I wanted to talk to them about from this healthy perspective, but here's what, here's what I felt the Lord told me. We're not trying to control the urge. We're trying to control the speed. So I taught a series called Speed, and I had all the parents come in. I, taught, I said, hey, I'm just letting you know that we're going to bring it tonight. Here's what I'm going to say. If you don't like what I'm about to say, you can take your kids somewhere else, but this is what I'm saying tonight. And I, and I told him, I said, look, I, I'm not telling you this thing that's on the inside of you that you're feeling. I'm not telling you it's wrong. In fact, I'm telling you it's really, really right. But what I am trying to tell you is here's how you, and I use the analogy of, of uh, first base, second base, third base, home run. Anybody know that analogy? <laughs> I said, the go- here's the thing. Home runs are for married people. <laughs> and all the parents of teenagers said, amen, you know. Home runs are for married people. Here's how you stop from hitting a home run until you're married. Wait as long as you can to hit a single. Don't hit singles. Because I'm just going to tell you, once you hit a single, oh, you want a double. (laughs) Come on, somebody. And once you hit a double, what's the harm in a triple? Some of y'all, I'm ruining your game right now. It's just like, dang, I was using that one last night, you know. Girl, I'm at a triple, you know. No. No, no, no. Went the wrong direction. Just rein it in. Really did. What's the, what's the point? Once you get a taste of something and it's good, you just want more. Now, this can work for us or this can work against us. The Bible says in Psalms, taste and see that the Lord is good. There are some things that you've not, you're not enjoying because you've never even had the courage to take a bite. In the spirit realm, there are things that are really, really good for you. But it's like, ah, I don't know. I told this story the first service. My wife, uh, when we first got married, I, I started really liking sushi. And so I'd want to go eat sushi. And I would tell her, say, hey. Let's go get sushi. And she's like, ugh, good night. No, we're not going to get sushi. I was like, oh, you don't, you don't like sushi? She goes, no, I don't like sushi. I was like, I didn't know you'd ever had sushi before. She goes, I haven't. <laughs> I'm like, how do you know you don't like sushi? If you've never... It looks like a tongue. I don't like anything. It looks like a tongue. I'm like, what are we doing right now? <laughs> of course, now she's since she's tasted it, and she's seen that the Lord is good. <laughs> But what's funny is a lot of us approach even spiritual things that way. We see people, we see things in Scripture, we see people worshiping, and, we're, and, and we, we look at it and we go, man, that looks good for other people, but I, that's just not really me. I'm not really the kind of guy that likes to do this, jump up around, raise your hands. I'm not, that's just not the kind of guy I am. Have you ever tasted it? 
And, and you know how it is sometimes when you're, especially if I, I traveled to Australia uh, several months ago. It was the first time leaving the country, so I was trying some of their food. And it's pretty American, but they do have some things. And so I, I was trying to be adventurous and be like, hey, I'm going to eat some Australian food. And they brought me this one dish that I'm just like, Jesus. <laughs> and you know how there's that, that ah, am I going to like this? Am I, I don't know. There's all that angst. Guess what? Sometimes when you're when in the area of spiritual things, whether that's worship, whether that's prayer, praying in public, praying with your family, you know how much breakthrough we would get as a church if our own men, our husbands and our fathers would just start praying out loud with their mouths with their family. That's it. Just that. <laughs> I don't know if I told this. I, I did this one time. We had a marriage, we had a marriage class. And it's a marriage class that's sold out. It's really incredible. And we, I do this teaching on marriage. And a bunch of people from even different churches came. And I, and I planned this this way. I knew it was going to be awkward, and I loved it. And, uh, and I, I planned it where at the end of, the, at the, end of the, the teaching, I said, okay, husbands and wives, take your chairs, turn them and face each other, and I want both of your knees touching, looking each other in the eye. It's incredible how awkward that was for some men to actually face their wife and look them in the eye. Then I took it one step further. I said, I've actually put a timer on the screen. And I had the, 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 the tech team get a timer ready. And I, I can't remember if it was just one minute or two minutes, but it was, I know it was less than two minutes. And I said, I'm going to put a timer on the screen. Husbands, you're going to go first. For the next two minutes, for the next two minutes, I want you to talk about what you've learned in this class and how this class is going to make your marriage better. I mean, every ounce of oxygen came out of the room. I can get, if you've never done something like that, the anxiety. I'm, I'm not making fun. I'm being honest. I know there's times even where, where that's a challenge for me. I'm, I don't even like praying in public. And I'm like, Lord, why'd you make me a pastor? I don't even like praying in front of other people. I, I, I get some of the anxiety that goes with that. But one of the things you have to be willing to do if you're ever going to create an appetite for some of those things that you actually desire, you got to take a bite. you got to take a bite. And guess what? Then you got to take another bite until you create a, an acquired taste. Because here's what happens. When we, take a, when we take a step of faith and we're willing to take a bite to taste and see, then the Lord does his part and see that the Lord is good. The enemy, one of his greatest tactics is to try to get you from ever taking one bite. One bite. Religion the, not, and not denominations. I'm talking about the spirit of religion. It uses fear to get you to take a step of faith in an area that you don't quite understand. Worship, tongues, that's one that's like, ooh, I don't want to take a bite of that. <laughs> Laying hands on the sick. Whatever that spiritual activity is that the Lord's saying, hey, I want to encounter you in a unique and real way. I, and I'm glad the Lord just reminded me of this. Thank you. You're doing a great job. Uh, he, he just reminded me to say this. One of the things that I had to learn as a man, I had to taste and one of the things I had to just take a, a leap of faith in and take a bite of and just say, okay, Lord, this is not comfortable for me, but I'm going to go for it. It's just being emotional with God. Most men, they're like, I'm just not emotional. Well, guess what? We've all been made with emotions. It's just he made women more in tune with them than he made you. That's just the reality of it. But you have emotions. And I, I just, I remember just working some of the dumb little things I did. <laughs> it sounds so crazy. I just, because I was like, okay, 
when I'm with my wife and we want to have like, she's always talking about we need to connect and um, don't tell her I said that. Uh, so when we're want, she's wanting to share our hearts and share our emotions, one of the things is she wants me to tell her things about her that I love. She wants me to tell, she wants me to use my, my, my words. And it's funny when we get to that point, it's like, What I did is because I wanted to engage in that beautiful covenant that I have in my marriage, I wanted to have that with my Heavenly Father. So I had to start taking some of the same risk. And what's funny is we, we were driven as young men to say all kinds of crazy stuff. My wife has a box of apparent emails that I wrote her when we were dating. And I'm like, I had a demon or something. Oh, honey, when I see you, I love you more. And I'm like, who wrote this stuff? Right? Y'all did it. Why? Because you, 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 when you want something bad enough, you're like, I'm going to give you what you want. I'm, I'm, I'm driven. <laughs> we talked about that earlier. <laughs> but there's something in you. You crave this intimacy. So you're, you will literally blow past a lot of these barriers. You say, well, I'm not an emotional person. I'm not a touchy-feely person, yada, yada, yada. No, you could be. Maybe you should taste and see. And maybe the thing you're wanting, the relationship you have with God, or the relationship you desire to have with God needs to start looking like what you wanted when you had a, a spouse. And you're like, hey, I'm, I'm going to begin to, ver-, and I began to do this. I just, as weird as it sounds, I would just say, Lord, I love you. I really love you. You're worthy of every ounce of praise in my being. You're worthy of all of my attention. I would read the Psalms and listen to David, someone who's better with his emotions and better with his words than most men. And I would just read things that he said. It's like Keith was saying, you got to fake it till you make it. But why? I was, I was hungry to have something that I saw other people have. Sometimes you got to take a risk and a step of faith and take a bite and take a taste and see this. I'm not really an emotional person. You don't know until you taste it. And let me just tell you, until he hugs you back. You don't know what you're missing. There is a, the Holy Spirit just said this to me. There is a love your wife is craving that you can't provide until you get it from the Father. There there is something that women are craving that the way he designed it is for, you're called to be the husband of your home, but you got to go get it from him. You got to go get agape from him so you can give agape to her. Some of the connection, why you're having a hard time connecting with your wife is because you're not connecting emotionally to him. You're not taking a risk. Of, you're not getting out of the boat in, the area and make it, in that area of emotions and making yourself feel vulnerable and making yourself feel awkward and weird by taking a bite of something you've never tasted simply because you want something more than you've ever had. I didn't even say any of that in the first service. That was, that was just for y'all. Taste and see. Um, I'm just going to kind of cruise through these next. I'm, I'm, out of, I'm basically out of time. Point number two, your appetite will follow your attention. Your appetite will follow your attention. What are you giving the majority of your attention to? If you want to create an appetite for things, give those things more attention. If you want to create less of an appetite for things, give those things just less attention. 
Several times in my life, I've just had to do this in the area of hobbies. I could just tell I was craving this hobby. I, I had too much strong of an appetite for this hobby. I was giving it too much of my attention, and the more I thought about it, talked about it, watched the TV shows about it, the more I wanted to do it, the more it made me fight with my wife because it's like, why are you always doing this? And I'm like, I'm not always doing this. And I'm like, no, you, anybody else? And it was causing strife in my home. There was no agreement in my home. And it's, it was me trying to fill a void with something that wasn't there. That thing was never meant to fill that void, but I was giving it my attention because when I'm in the middle of it, I would feel okay. But it's like it needed more and more and more. I needed to do the hobby more, think about the hobby more, record more shows, buy more magazines, buy more. And sometimes I've had the Lord say, too much attention, just, I'm sorry, too, too much of an appetite for this. Start, stop giving it any attention. Several times I've given away thousands and thousands of dollars worth of hunting gear, fishing gear, because my hobbies were getting too much of my focus, too much of my attention. Your appetite will follow your attention. Romans chapter 10 says this, faith comes by hearing. Mind you, the life we now live as new covenant believers is called the life of faith. The life I now live, I live by faith. This life is a life of faith. Where does that life and more of that life come from? Faith comes by hearing, not having heard one time. What does that word hearing imply? Lots of attention, lots of listening, listening over and over and over and over and over again, hearing and hearing and hearing the word. Hebrews chapter 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, talking about faith. What do we do? Looking. That word means keep on looking. Keep on looking, keep on hearing. Keep on looking, keep on hearing. That's how you move into this place of faith that God's called you to. Looking, what, looking and hearing, what is it? Attention. Just change what you give your attention to. And I propose that one of the greatest things about the new covenant is it's less about, do, it's less about doing less wrong and more about doing more right. Because what happens is when, when we start looking unto him, looking unto Jesus, listening to his word, looking and listening, looking and listening, hearing, faith comes by hearing, all of a sudden you start moving towards him. This appetite for him starts to grow on the inside of you. All of a sudden you look up one day and go, wait a minute. That thing I had for years tried to just get away from, I quit, stop focus, I stopped focusing on it. I started giving more of my attention here. I'm not even in that bondage anymore. I wasn't even trying to get out of that bondage, really. I was just trying to get with him. I just started giving him more of my attention. I just started looking at him more. I just started listening to him more. And all of a sudden, this appetite, taste and see that the Lord is good, this appetite for him begins to grow and grow and grow. It's almost like the Dave Ramsey thing. It's like a snowball effect. It just grows and grows and grows. Number three, point number three, your appetite will follow your discipline. I'll just tell you straight up, there are some things, and I don't, I, there's no, I don't know, there's no rhyme or reason to it in my, that I know of, but there are some things that some people seem, it seems to be very easy for them. It almost like it requires no discipline. And for you, it's like, why is this the hardest thing in the world? I think we all have our things, but here's what, I'm, here, here's what I'm trying to get you to understand is there are some things, some areas of breakthrough and some areas of your appetite that will only be formed by you creating disciplines in your life because you care more about getting there than you do your own feelings. Some things require a discipline. Discipline to get in the Word. Discipline to come to church. Discipline to listen to a podcast. Discipline to read the Bible. Discipline to go to get involved in life groups and have community. Discipline in the area of tithing. I've heard people say this, I tried tithing. Guess what? You don't try tithing. You tithe. 
well, nothing happened. Well, the fact that you quit because nothing happened, let me know why you were doing it in the first place so you could get something out of it. Not, it wasn't a thank you. It was a, I want more. Wrong heart posture. <laughs> and I'm just telling you, I, I've seen it so many times happen where the Lord, because he, he says, try me in this, test me in this, see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out room enough. There's not, but you, you know the scripture, blessing, there's not room enough to receive it. I know I've watched him time and time do this again, but I've also seen times where when people were trying it, it took longer than they wanted it to take, so they quit. Guess what starts right then? Discipline discipline and say, Lord, I, I know this is what you want for me. It's so clear in scripture. Just as much as I'm disciplined in the area of whether it's your fit, because some people I watch them, they have unbelievable physical discipline. They'll, they're never, they're always working out. They look great. They're eating right and all these things. But then these other areas, it's like, why do I not seem to have any discipline in this area? Some things are easy. Some things are not. But I will just tell you from my own experience, when you discipline yourself in the areas of the Lord, taste and see that it is good, good starts to manifest. <laughs> and when good starts to manifest, guess what? You no longer have to discipline yourself to do these things anymore. You create an appetite to do these things. Now you're driven internally because of how good God's been when he was so faithful to perform on his word. I, I, I shared this first service. I've read, I've read more books in the last five months than I have read in the rest of my life combined. It says a lot about how I was in school, unfortunately. But I'm just, maybe I should have said, you know, joy reading or whatever. But, and here's why. I caught myself spending too much time playing this stupid little game on my phone, golf class. Great game, but it'll get you. And I just caught myself playing too much golf class. And one day it just dawned on me. It's like, you have no discipline. Like, you just keep reaching for the phone to play a little quick round. Like, what are you doing with your life? And I just realized it had a place in my life that I, it just didn't need to have. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to create a discipline. Every time I start to reach to turn on that little app, I'm going to grab a book. I don't even like to read. I love to listen. I love to study. But I don't like to read. But I, what was I doing? I was trying to create a discipline in my life to get me somewhere that I wanted to go. Well, next thing you know, one book turned into two books, turned into five books. And all of a sudden, this, it, well, I, what started out as a discipline because of a hunger that I had, a right desire that I had, I created a discipline that turned into an appetite. Now it's just like, man, I got, I've got books downloaded. I can't decide which one to go. And I'm just cranking out books about one a week right now. And it's just like, it created this appetite because I knew at that place in my life, I needed more of him. I just needed more. The more you give out, the more you got to put back in. I just needed more. But your appetite will follow your discipline. Last one, I, I put this. <clears throat> An appetite for anything can be starved out. An appet the, the, there's, there's the biblical principle of fasting, and I can't go into a lot of theological stuff about it today because I don't know a lot of theological stuff about it. But here's what I do know. <laughs> some, one, the Bible says to do it. Two, some men I really respect do it. And I have started practicing by faith some of these things. In fact, the first of the year I told the Lord, I was like, man, I've always been more of a feasting guy than a fasting guy. 
but I felt like the Lord told me to fast and I, that he was going to talk to us as a church about fasting. But I just kind of the way I've done most things here, it's like I'm not talking to them. It's that I'm doing it myself until I understand it myself. So we started this year in January. My wife and I, we didn't go public with her, tell anybody, oh, we're all fasting. We didn't do that. It's like, hey, we're, here's what we're going to do. We, we needed to do this. And, and I've, I've done fast before. And the beautiful thing is that the fast I've done in the past, I intentionally took some things out to replace them with something better. I starved out this desire to make room for a better desire. And I've seen fruit in it. I, I, I took out all of Dr. Pepper's and sugars and carbs, and I even took out all of beef for 30 days one time. Now, that is a miracle. But I used to drink six to eight Dr. Pepper's a day, and after 30 days of that fast, it's like I couldn't even drink one. It created, it got rid of this bad desire, this unhealthy physical desire. It got rid of that thing and replaced I literally starved it out. And I'm just telling you, I believe this all of my heart. That same principle applies in lots of other areas. If by faith you'll start starving out some of the things that you don't need to be in your life and engage your faith, supernatural power will start to come in and you'll begin to starve that appetite right out. Here's the, but here's the kicker. It actually works the other way too. If you don't keep eating the Word, if you don't keep feeding on Him, you will lose your appetite. You will inadvertently starve your appetite out. And you'll look up one day, you'll be, you'll, you'll be covered in guilt and shame. You're like, man, I, just like, I don't even know what's wrong with me anymore. I don't even want to go to church. I don't even, okay, here, here's the thing. You've starved the appetite. <laughs> you haven't been feeding it enough. Anything can be starved out. That's good news and bad news. <laughs> but the best news <laughs> is taste and see that he is good. There's nothing he has for you that's not good. There's nothing that he commands us to do in this word that's not good for us. And again, my heart's desire is that we start reshaping our appetites, understand how to shape our appetites so that we stop living outside in, start living inside out, and that our, our behavior, we're not trying to control our behavior, we're actually releasing our behavior because our behaviors don't scare us anymore because our, our behaviors are being formed from right appetites on the inside of us. You're living from the inside out, not the outside in. Amen? Amen. That's all I got. Let's just close our eyes. Let me pray for you. Pray with you. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you